Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Let's get after it. Chris Graham here. We're going to talk UVA basketball. I'm going to look forward first. We'll talk about the Boston College game coming up tomorrow night, and then we'll we'll look back a little bit at North Carolina and uh, and then some columns thereafter. Uh, apologize for not doing this podcast a day sooner. I meant to do it yesterday, and yesterday ended up being a, a weird sick day for me. I'm, I had to get an MRI. Uh, some test number came back 0.1 over what it should have been. And, uh, the doctor being the doctor ordered some tests and the MRI, uh, just knocked me down. It's weird. I've had, I've had MRIs before, at least I thought I had. And, uh, I don't remember the, the metallic stuff they give you knocking you down like that. And I'm taking a two and a half hour nap and that just completely threw me off. So <clears throat> we're here now. <laughs> oh, man, I tell you what, beware of that metallic stuff. That goes in your stomach. Uh, Virginia tomorrow night needs to be where uh, Boston College, Chestnut Hill, not an easy place to play for a different reason than a lot of places aren't easy places to play. Uh, it's not because of the deafening wall of sound. It's because of the deafening silence. Uh, Nine o'clock tip tomorrow night on ESPNU. And uh, it's the kind of place that doesn't draw a lot of fans and you need to create your own energy. And uh, Virginia last year, around this time last year, in fact, Went up to Chestnut Hill with a pretty good team. The team that ended up tying for the ACC regular season championship and got swamped up there, 63-48 loss. And, um, you know, that team could have afford could have afforded a, a loss like that. I mean, nobody wants to lose, but uh, this team can't afford a loss tomorrow night. Uh, with three losses in the last four games, Virginia is clearly on the just, – just barely on the right side of the NCAA tournament bubble. Uh, not that it matters all that much, but I looked this morning at Joe Lunardi and he has Virginia currently as one of the last four in, and, uh, that's with BC and Duke this week on the road and Georgia tech, the only game next week before the ACC tournament. I think at this stage, Virginia needs two wins at least in its last three and probably then a win, uh, in a uh, Washington in the ACC tournament. So three wins overall, uh, to, uh, stay on the proper side of the bubble. Uh, I don't know if that's the biggest concern, though. This team right now is just not playing good basketball. <clears throat> and, um, you know, that's the, the, you know, basketball goes in cycles. Virginia last year, this time of year, uh, went through a similar downturn for a few days. <laughs> I remember the law. Last year it was reverse order. It was a loss to, um, maybe it was the same order. Seemed like It seemed like the law. No, it was Boston College first in North Carolina, both on the road, uh, that, uh, you know, it was a kind of a tough week there, and then Virginia was able to rebound late in the season and, and tie Miami for the ACC regular season title. That's not going to happen this year as far as tying for the ACC regular season title or anything like that. But, um, you know, Virginia's in a lull. The 54-44 loss to North Carolina being the latest in the lull. Felt like an opportunity lost. Um, great defensive effort, holding Carolina to by far its season low in points. 54 points just for perspective. Uh, R.J. Davis, who made one shot, one for 14 from the floor against Virginia on Saturday, had 42 himself last night, 14 of 22 shooting in a narrow win over a Miami team that was depleted. Uh, 75-71 win for Carolina in that win against a Miami team with two starters out. Uh, yeah, that was an opportunity loss for Virginia. Uh, Carolina, I wrote going into the game, was very much ripe for the picking. Uh, going into that game was just 3-3 three and three in its last six. Virginia just couldn't put the ball in the basket. Uh, BC, just to give you a little bit on on, on the Eagles, uh, they're coming in off of a pair of road losses last week at Florida State, at NC State. The Eagles are 15-12, and 6-10 in the ACC, but when I looked at their, their schedule and results, 
they've been in every game this year. They've not been blown out once. Uh, and that's unlike Virginia, which has been blown out seven times with a 20 win record. Uh, looking at this BC team, you'll see a lot of familiar names. Uh, Quentin Post is the one that's probably most familiar. He had 24 points against Virginia uh, and JPJ last year in the loss by BC. He's averaging just under 16 points and eight rebounds a game. Shoots 50.8% from th uh, the field and 44.3% from three as a seven-footer. I tell you, he's, he's got some skills. He can get on the perimeter score. He can bang in the post. Um, the other big is 6'7", 230-pound sophomore Devin McLaughlin. 10.6.6.7 .6 rebounds per game. 58.6% field goal. 33.3% three. Doesn't shoot a lot of threes, but he can make them. Uh Starting backcourt, uh, three-member backcourt, uh, one transfer, Charleston Southern transfer, Claudel Harris, 13.7 points a game, shoots 37.6% from three. He's a guy who's made the transition from small college ball to the ACC. Um, we know that all the talk about you know how tough it's been for Andrew Rohde to make the transition. Uh, I, I like to say that's you know there's plenty of examples of guys who who do make that transition, and this Claudel Harris kid's one of them, six three junior. The point guard is a 6'2", 220-pounder, Jaden Zachary, 11.7 points, 4.3 assists a game, shoots 35.6% from three. And at 6'2", 220, he's a thick little kid there. He can be tough to, you know, he's not necessarily the quickest guy out there, but he can he can be a little beastly around the rim there. Uh, the other guard is Mason Madsen, uh, scores 8.5 points a game, shoots 46.9% from three. Watch out for, for Madsen. And one bench guy of note, uh, a guy named Donald Hand. Yeah, and he's he's the son of that guy. 6'5", sophomore, this Donald Hand. He uh, played his high school ball in, in Virginia. Uh, he's at BC, scoring 5.6 points a game, shooting 37.7% from three, so watch out for Hand. And uh, he's uh, playing a little better of late, or, or getting more minutes of late. 7.5 points per game in 14.3 minutes per game in his last four. He had 11 points uh, in the loss to NC State over the weekend, so... Uh, watch out for him, and you'll you'll hear the name, and uh, you'll wonder, you know, maybe why we didn't get him. So, how this matchup goes uh, in, in the way I'm looking at it, anyway. We've scored we being Virginia. I'll use the collective we, the royal we. Um, Virginia scored uh, in the 40s in the last three games. Um, BC is not a team that should hold you down. Uh, defensively, ranking 144th in Ken Palm. There's 362 teams, so that's in the upper half, but barely. Uh, and then in the ACC games, uh, BC ranks 12th out of the 15 teams in points per possession. So <clears throat> the the approach should be, whether it is or not, uh, the post starting with Post, uh, Quentin Post, uh, all that offensive skill that he's got, there's a reason he's a senior at seven feet tall being able to shoot as well as he can from the floor in general and from three, and he's still in college. It's because he's he's not very mobile defensively. Uh, he's a liability on the defensive end, and if Virginia plays this right, they attack him in ball screens. Uh, you would ball screen with Beekman and, and Jordan Minor, at least Beekman and Jordan Minor. Uh, you would basically make uh, Post either have to get around the corner uh, and keep Beekman from getting around the corner, uh, and also then keep uh, Jordan Minor from rolling, uh, or uh, you know, just the the switches there and get uh, get minor on a, a small guard uh, and and take advantage there. Uh, minor is coming off a pretty good game, his first good game in a while. First game in a while, he had decent minutes. He had twelve points, ten rebounds against Armando Baycott. Uh, makes you wonder why he wasn't getting minutes uh, there for a while before. 
You could also try screens, uh, the ball screens with uh, Beekman and Ryan Dunn. Ryan Dunn is invisible lately, only four points a game in his last eight. And I don't want to blame the kid for that. Uh, you know, his skill set is what it is. Uh, he can he can screen and he can roll off screens. He can finish uh, when he's getting momentum towards the basket. He, he doesn't have dribble drive ability right now. He doesn't have perimeter ability, but he's a supreme finisher at the rack. Uh, he's just not getting those opportunities. Ball screens might create them for him. Spread the floor a little bit and give give him and Beekman space to operate. And he's got um, the McLaughlin kid who's 6'7", 230. you got to think that Dunn's going to have a quickness and speed advantage over him in pick-and-roll situations. So would Beekman. Eh, I'm just wondering, well, you know, why don't they, you know, let's see if, if Virginia does some of that. I would run similar kind of things perhaps, I mean, I'm more than perhaps, with Isaac McNeely and Jake Groves, if you got Groves in at the four spot for, for the minutes that he's there, well, the five spot. Uh, slip screens, you know, where basically the the big, in this case, Groves, uh, looks to set a screen or looks like he's going to set a screen. And then before uh, the ball handler, and, and my my rendering of that would be McNeely, uh, before the ball handler gets there. And so what you do there is you make the two defenders have to choose which of the guys they're going to pick up. Uh, and in the confusion, maybe you get an open guy. Between those two guys, McNeely shooting 45.1% from three, Grove shooting 48.7% from three. You know, I like the chances to get some open looks out of that uh, particular uh, action. Uh, you make the two and the four choose. And, you know, Virginia got beat on that action in the pit game. Pitt got 14 threes and 32 attempts by just running a lot of ball screens and slip screens. Um, you know, I, I think that this is an opportunity to get the offense back on track. I mean, I've been writing about this a lot this week. Uh, that those, those plays, those sets, I'm talking about ball screens and slip screens. Uh, Virginia ran a lot of those in the FSU game a couple of weeks ago now, more than a couple of weeks ago now, the great success scored 80 points in a win. So it's something that can be done and, and you know, could very well be done, but we'll see. Um, this game again, tips off tomorrow night at nine o'clock. Um, the uh, let's see <clears throat> what I, what I want to look through here. And I'll, so I'll, I'll, I'll pick up where I just alluded the blueprint for how to fix the offense. Uh, the last three games uh, scoring in the forties, after the uh, effort against Florida State, 80 points, shooting 50% from the field, 10 of 18 from three, uh, using uh, four and five outsets, uh, either one guy in the post actually posting up, uh, not setting screens, uh, or or five guys out and, and the screens being set really high, either ball screens or, or off-ball screens. Um, that created a lot of openings, a lot of gaps, as you know, the, it depends on what you call it, gaps. Uh, in the middle there for either passes or backdoor cut for backdoor cuts or uh, for for dribble drives, and Virginia did well in that game. Uh, obviously, scoring eighty points and shooting the numbers I, sh I, I talked about. Since Virginia has gone back, uh, Tony Bennett's gone back to his favorite mover blocker offense, which is the you know setting a big on either side of the lane, uh, either low on the you know, around the blocks or high, or you know one low and one high, or one high and one low. Um, and uh, running constantly, just the guards are running around uh, trying to get through screens to get get looks, and then the bigs get their looks either after setting a screen, popping out, or rolling to the basket. Um, there's there's one other set that kind of goes in flow with that. Uh, the middle the middle third screens uh, that instead of just having the guys set up the big set up on the side, there's one big in the middle, and the big and a guard are setting screens for each other. And running off those screens uh, in the middle of the floor, and allow that allows the the ball handler 
uh, out the top to maybe choose to to drive around it. Um, you know, that's that hasn't been working. <laughs> Let's just say uh, this, and it's not because. It's not because the offense doesn't work. The offense won a national the, the offensive philosophy and strategy and system won a national title five years ago. The system can work. It's just that the personnel for this year's system don't really suit the system. The personnel on the Virginia roster don't suit the system. You got Reese Beekman, a point guard. Not his fault. Isaac McNeely, a two guard. He's a you know, you're talking about guys in the mold of well, Reese Beekman and uh, maybe a Kyle guy or or a London Parentes and a and a Kyle guy. If you know they, they only played one year together, but you know the, I'm trying to think of guys who, uh, you know from from years past and who, who who they fit. But you don't have a third guard who can shoot. Well, Andrew Rohde's been, you know, getting the bulk of the minutes there. At least no no offense to the kid, he was a 17 point per game scorer last year uh, in in a smaller college setting. He's not he's not. He's under five points a game. I think it's four and a half points a game this season. Um, uh, Tane Murray can shoot, just doesn't shoot. <laughs> he's, he's very selective with his shots. Uh, Elijah Gertrude in mover blocker is a guy that right now is not a very uh, – not even an adequate uh, perimeter shooter. Very good on the dribble drives, but he's not an adequate, to say the least, uh, perimeter shooter. Jake Groves at 6'9 would, would be a great perimeter shooter, but he's also a little slow of foot. He's more of a big who should be getting looks off of pick and pops. Virginia's been trying. Tony's been trying to use him um, as a, th a third guard, but he's just not able to get off the screens fast enough to get looks off those screens. Uh, and so um, – and Ryan Dunn, I just you know talked about him a minute ago. He's a guy that uh, – you know, he's very – his offense is very derivative. I keep using that term, but – you know, he's not a guy who's going to dribble drive his way from the perimeter. Uh, he doesn't have a back-to-the-basket game yet. Um, uh, doesn't have a mid-range jumper. There's a lot he doesn't have. What he does have, though, is uh, uh, elite ability to finish at the rim. He's just not getting those looks uh, in the mover blocker offense. So, um, you know, I, I wrote a lengthy column earlier this week, and I'll link to it both on the – the YouTube, uh, if someone you if you're on YouTube, I'll have a link to the story so you can read more in depth there. If you're on the podcast, uh, same thing. You know, in the description of the podcast, you'll be able to to, to get more detail here. But um, you know, just not getting those, just not getting the kind of looks you need to get. Uh, a little frustrating that you're hearing from Tony. You know, I'm hearing from Tony. He was on his Zoom conference call yesterday with ACC conference call. Basically, he signaled that it's just, hey, let's just run it harder. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't know that running the the same offense that isn't working harder with the same personnel who don't fit the offense is going to necessarily work. You know, I didn't put in the column, but I, I was thinking certainly as I was writing, uh, I, I you know wrote a really lengthy analytical piece. And then I had another piece that I wrote with the quotes from Tony Bennett. But I was thinking in my head as I was working on the first piece you know, the the offense I'm talking about that Virginia used so well in the Florida State game uh, could give you a, a good excuse to use more minutes, get more minutes out of Elijah Gertrude, who got 19 in the North Carolina game. Credit to Tony Bennett. He he did try to do some things different, at least in terms of personnel. He just he put Elijah into the, the mover blocker. And, you know, Elijah, I think he ended up scoring six points. He had one field goal made in seven attempts, four of eight from the foul line. Um, but, um, you know, he gave him some good minutes on defense too. Um, but, you know, in an offense that was ball screen heavy uh, and slip screen heavy, more ball screen heavy for him, but, 
you know, he could he could really do some damage with his his quickness, his ball handling, his hops, his amazing freakish athleticism. Um, you know, his issue is playing in the mover blocker. He's just not disciplined enough to play in the mover blocker, and he's not enough of a th perimeter threat. Um, and so uh, he doesn't fit there. But man, oh man, I'd love to see that kid unleashed uh, in a uh, offense with a little bit more freedom and creativity for the for the guards, especially the ball handling guards. So that could better take advantage of your personnel. I mean, you know, Elijah Gertrude would be an upgrade uh, in in ball screen sets, uh, a big upgrade over Andrew Rohde, who unfortunately just has no confidence in his his shot right now. Uh, and uh, uh, you know, he'll make his he makes his shot and then he's done for the day, uh, unfortunately. And uh, you know, that really throws the offense off when the defense doesn't have to respect an outside shooter. He's a guard who can't shoot from the outside. He's a guard who can't really get in the lane. Um, distributes the ball fine, doesn't turn the ball over, which is great. But Rody uh, is not a threat in so many ways. And and that, you know, that's part of the two one five aspect that Virginia's playing on offense right now. Um so, you know, yeah, I've got, kind of gone through all, all of that column. Let's see if there was a uh, you know, there was one question that came in, and it's in the context of that discussion. And I did a mailbag column. Again, I'll link to that both in the YouTube description and the uh, podcast uh, description. A reader asking about uh, whether or not Virginia is to try to speed the game up. And what I did was, I mean, this this took a while. It took longer than I thought. And I did this yesterday while I was <laughs> dealing with dying in my stomach that was making me feel ill. Um, but uh, you know, you can go into uh, Synergy Sports Data gives you a lot of that gives me a lot of access uh, to to numbers for teams how they you know play offense in transition how they play offense in the half court defense in both areas. What I wanted to do was try to figure out what because Virginia obviously uh, you know is, is one of the slower teams in college basketball. In fact, tempo wise, the slowest team right now in college basketball. That's not that's nothing new. It's a a perennial staple for for Tony Bennett teams. And a reason for that is is uh, you know really disciplined. Don't run you know don't run in transition. Score only and you know in transition when it's really there. Um, Virginia's opportunities in transition this year. Uh, what did I figure out? It's uh, there the uh, offensive possessions. Uh, where did I put this? Eight point five percent of offensive possessions uh, in transition, uh, and that is I think it was fourth to last in the NCAA Division One. Um, the average, the national median, I shouldn't say the average, uh, I went to, you know, in the middle of the 362 teams and try to figure out, you know, where basically half below and half above are, it's 15.4%. So, you know, just about 7% more, almost double uh, the number of possessions uh, uh, as a percentage in transition for, for the average team, not even just the fast team, just the average team. Um, and, and so, you know, Tony's philosophy, and this is, this is, again, it won him a national championship. It's won him six ACC regular season championships in the last 10 years. The system works. It's just this year, maybe the personnel don't fit the system as well. But, um, what I wanted to do, the question was, can Virginia get more points if they speed up the game a little bit, try to go in transition more? Um, it would throw things off. Uh, Tony's system is basically, he wants to prevent transition opportunities, um, he doesn't want the other team. He's he's more concerned about the other team getting easy baskets than he's in favor of getting his team more easy baskets. If that makes sense, right? Um, he figures that he has he he can coach his team to be more effective in the half court game offensively, 
uh, relative to the opponents being able to be effective offensively in the half court game. And if we can limit the number of opportunities uh, in transition for the other team, then we'll win the game. Well, when you look at season long season long numbers, the the, the fact the, the numbers bear him out. Um, Virginia is uh, in, in half court defense averages allowing 0. 0.804 points per possession. Um, opponents shoot thirty eight percent in half court uh, offense against Virginia. The national averages are much higher. Uh, Virginia holds opponents five percent lower than the national average. The mean or the median, I should say. Uh, the the median team allows forty three point two percent shooting and point nine oh five points per possession, so Virginia is much better uh, than the the mean the median defensive team, um, and um, Virginia's transition defense is also better than the median, uh, not that much better, but better uh, in transition. Virginia allows one point oh two one points per possession, forty seven point nine percent field goal. Uh, the median team averages 50.8% uh, field goal on defense. That's 3% uh, uh, worse than Virginia, uh, higher than Virginia, and 1.043 points per possession. Um, you know, when I looked at the Virginia offense, it just, if you speed the game up to give Virginia the, the median number of um, possessions on offense in transition, um, it gives Virginia um, 0.58 more points per game which i mean obviously less than a point per game and then it would it would give the other team 0.65 more points per game defensively um it's basically a wash but it's a wash in favor of tony's philosophy uh now you know the what i can't factor for in this is you know if virginia gets away from forcing its uh players to play uh, you know, a, n a number of more possessions in half court versus in transition, would they be more effective in transition offensively? Um, you know, but also, you know, giving more the the opponents more possessions in transition, how would that affect Virginia's half court defense? I mean, there's a lot of factors there you can't control for, but when you just control for what you can control for, you know, it's a slight advantage in Tony's favor. I, and I, you know, I didn't look at numbers from past seasons. The 2019 season will be in a great example. I can only imagine that the numbers were much more pronounced in Tony's favor there but this is the way he coaches basketball and i know that there are fans frustrated uh at the way uh right now he coaches basketball because it doesn't seem to be working but uh this is his system he recruits to his system it just turns out that perhaps the it's not perhaps uh the guys he's got uh playing in his key roles right now don't really fit 100 percent into his system but you know uh that kind of is what it is i would like i, I instead of the transition flip that was suggested by the reader which i mean i understand you're we're throwing stuff at a wall to see what fits the best right or what sticks i guess is to go with that analogy um you know i i, I think that just tweaking the half court offense is is the better solution it still fits the system it's still you know uh, you can you can run ball screens you can run uh you know four and five out you can post guys up give you know you can do things half court offensively uh, and still maintain your balance you want to have where you're still able to get back in transition D and, and stop opponents from getting easy baskets and, and and slow the game down and make it a more grind more of a grind than just speeding the game up for the sake of speeding the game up. I understand the thinking there you know teams do score better in transition. We saw that from those median numbers. Uh, teams score a lot better, shoot a lot better in transition. but 
you know, the, it's just the way Tony plays. And it's, it's, there's in college basketball, there's so many different ways to play. Uh, coaches, uh, you know, have, have a lot of different, different, there are a lot of different approaches to how to win a basketball game at the college level than there are at the pro level. Um, this is Tony's way. And, uh, you know, so uh, I, I guess I'm in favor more of uh, advocating for um, fits that better fit what is already being done than just kind of throwing everything out and starting over because you can't do that in the middle of the season anyway. But uh, certainly, uh, you know, for the, for the stability, long-term stability of the program, uh, you know, I don't know that you, you just, you just start over. I mean, this again, this is this guy's successful. That's the other part of this. It's not like he's not successful. It's just this year, uh, you know, there are some things that can be done to make things a little better. And I think that we've kind of hit on some of those. So anyway, okay. All that said, uh, tomorrow night, uh, Boston College in Virginia, nine o'clock. It's a late start, and that's a late night for those of us who only really get started working when the game's over. <laughs> It'll be 11 o'clock or so when the game's over. What my job will be will be to, uh, let's see, that right here. <laughs> I got myself a Coke Zero. It'll be to load up on a few of those uh, so I can have stories written uh, covering the important aspects of the game, win or lose. And by God, we better win that one. Uh, so that when you wake up on Thursday morning, you'll have the ability to, you know, read through it all, leave through it. Cause you'll watch the game. You'll be you know, at 11 o'clock. A lot of you got to get up next morning early to go to work. So you won't be staying up and waiting for me to, to crank it all out, but it'll be cranked out and ready for you Thursday morning. So, uh, and then we got Duke on Saturday and I'll try to get you ready for that before I head down there. I got a weekend down in North Carolina, I'm heading down to the Duke game, and I'm going as a fan. First time in 10 years I've gone to a UVA basketball game as a fan, which will be very interesting, and going to a Duke game at that. Um, and then Sunday I'm going to the pro wrestling show, the AEW pay-per-view uh, revolution for Sting's retirement match. So big weekend for me in Carolina coming up. We'll get you ready for Duke uh, as well. So uh, if you have any questions for me, any thoughts that you want me to look into a dress, whatever the case may be. You want to tell me I'm a bum? That's okay, too. Uh, you can email me at chris at augustafreepress.com.